Welcome to the Abn Abn Podcast, episode 78, a podcast for IT professionals. Hi, I'm Al. I'm John. I'm Jerry. And I'm Gary. Oh, Gary. Who's this Gary? What are you doing? Yeah, so we're, being, we're currently uh, on camp in Manchester. Yeah, as, as you can tell by the, some of the background noise. So this audio is not going to be like our usual fantastic quality. Although we have got, we have got recording gear from, uh, from the wonderful Mr. Joe Ressington, who uh, again has saved us from, uh, from our, our distinct lack of audio gear. Yeah when we come to conferences like this and make him walk further than we had to I, I, I don't i don't like to talk about the fact that i've, I've, uh, I've uh, so so this is my this is my town where so Og camp is in manchester this year and i i've basically lived in manchester for about 10 years now and joe said the hotel he was staying at and i was like oh excellent i know exactly which one that is so i walk us halfway across town and then he says we've gone a really weird way and i'm like this is isn't this your hotel he's like no, it's Damn an easy mistake it. to make, John. It's the the travel lodge or the Premier Inn. Yeah, I'd see, <laughs> I always, I, I've often had a problem between pre- travel lodges and Premier Inns. It gets me in a lot of trouble with the missus because she's like, <laughs> "Why are you looking at, at Premier at Travel Lodge? We're going to Premier. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. Anyway, this this is not this is not the John Spriggs <laughs> is rubbish at everything. Talk. Hotel cast. We won't mention the other things. Anyway, right. Oi. So. <laughs> oh, harsh. Anyway, but I, but, but it's say to start off with, I've got something bad happened, didn't I? Well, obviously. So I did a talk. I wasn't planning to do a talk, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, they were kind of calling for people because on the Saturday there wasn't many talks in the afternoon. So. Uh, who was the lady at Lorna? Lorna. Was yeah, it was like going, I was going, oh, I'll do it Sunday morning so I can test it over sat- on, on Saturday night yeah. so that I can do it Sunday morning. Because no, no, we need to do it this afternoon. So, okay. I had in my mind what to do. So it's basically how I use WireGuard to connect um, to my VPS. And uh, yeah, so I wrote it all up and I did a live demo. And the live well, demo didn't I work. I think it was really brave that it, it your, whole, your whole talk was pretty much a live demo. <laughs> yeah. If you ask any, any speaker about that, they, they'd probably... <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's pretty much. Uh, so the way that I've I've seen it explained is, if you're going to be doing a live demo, what you need to do is record the video of the demo being run. Yeah, that's what I was planning to do. But oh, right, uh, okay. the trouble to... was, yeah, that she. So you'd said you were going to do it on the Saturday morning, Sunday morning, or Sunday morning, and then um, yeah, there were almost no talk scheduled for Saturday afternoon. So so obviously, uh, for for those who are not in the know, I'm I'm a, I'm a former organizer of Ogcamp, camp and uh, i also used to write the talk scheduling software that we use so i'm i'm reasonably familiar with how the talk scheduling stuff goes and <laughs> lorna had said to me you know I, i'd said i've got i've got a two slot talk that i want to pitch and i was told absolutely without a shadow of doubt you are not getting a two slot pitch off the main track i'm like All right, okay fair enough i won't do that then <laughs> so then I, I was talking to her she was like I've been like twisting arms to get people to do talks today. I'm like, I've got this two slot talk that I could give. She's like, nope, still not happening. It's against. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So she she clearly wasn't that desperate. But yeah, I mean, uh, so the, I think I think actually on the whole grid, I think there was only one slot where they didn't completely fill it. There was a couple in uh, the room, because I was on the crew again, looking after room three or bar camp yeah, three yeah. or whatever it was. And there was actually two, two spare, two three, free three slots. slots so. But do you know what? Out of, out of two days of, uh, I think it was something like eight slots each. In fact, I've got the grid in front of me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is really boring podcasting. I'm very sorry. Nine, nine slots. So out of, no, 
It might even be 10 slots. So 10 slots, four rooms, uh, two days, and there was have two an, talks that yeah, they didn't get talked in. An hour of nothing is not bad, uh, really, is yeah, it? So, so for those that don't know, Odd Camp is a, an unconference with a scheduled track, which apparently confuses people. Um, so you rock up in the morning, and there's, a, there's an empty grid. And you then put your talks up on a on a board, people tick it, and then the ones that have got the most ticks go into the right slots. So what that means is that for so the schedule track is scheduled like two, three, four weeks in advance. So everyone knows that what that talk's gonna be about. And it kind of sets the tone on what the rest of the talks are gonna be there. But um yeah, so uh, I went to an, a lot of very different talks. This is my first year for a couple of years where I've actually not been involved in any of the organization on it. So I got to go to, I think I went to talk in every single slot bar two. And that was because it was lunchtime. Uh, sorry, just before lunchtime. And I wanted to get there before the rush because I've seen what happens around that one. But um, so, yeah, so I was in Al's talk and it was it, so technical issues aside, which was literally from what I recall, it was just that you'd got the keys the wrong way around mm-hmm. on so, one thing. So it was one thing that you got wrong. Everything else in your talk was actually really sound technical content that was delivered fantastically so i basically uh, there's a github with or we put a link in the show how how to do it so i've edited that how did you feel like it came off was i i'm trying to come better at my my uh, presentation skills was i i really find it hard where do you look when you do a presentation because i just thought you find i'm under i'm like looking to the ground kind of thing i don't know if people notice when i was in secondary school uh our drama teacher told us to look uh above uh the back of the uh, back of the room quite high up maybe try that so (laughs) i always because i i do not a lot of talks but i give a few talks and what i end up doing which is not what you're supposed to do is i find like two or three people in the room one on the left hand side one on the right hand side and if it's a big enough room one in the middle and what i'll do is i'll look at them which is the wrong thing to do you shouldn't do that but that's that's what i end up doing because if you do it like that you're looking around the room and people around those people think you're looking at them and it's not that i'm not looking at them but it's the so if someone's looking at me and nodding along then they're typically going to be at least one of the people i'm looking at but no, it came off great. Um, okay. That's good to hear. And then I might do a video of it as well, um, as well online. And I, but I, if we do it, I'll bring it up on the um, on the podcast. Any other? I think what the what? just looking at the other. Hang on, before we do. Um, so obviously, oh our, yeah, we need Jerry and I tend to talk quite a lot on this podcast, and we've got a guest with us. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> Gary, what did you, what did you is you have you been to camps before? Yeah, so I've this is my third year coming to Odd Camp. Okay. Um been to Canterbury and Sheffield before. Cool. So was this year's different from the previous years? Um I mean I didn't find it massively different. I mean it's you know, it's the same kind of group of people, although there were a lot of new people this year. There was year. a lot of new people this year. I was really impressed with that. And I was wondering that's why maybe the people didn't know if they hadn't been to non-conference before that was why there wasn't the, the talks kind of thing yeah, possibly we didn't really explain it at the start as yes well. lorna did explain exactly what needed to happen uh and she found it quite frustrating well as i say from the conversations i had with her she had a lot of people coming up to her and asking her how to do the the grid so she was worrying a bit that maybe 
maybe she hadn't explained things properly or people had just missed what she was saying. Anyway, I mean, it's not, there's no criticism about the, about the grid, but yeah, um, I mean, it, it's a system that's very simple, but works, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's, I love the know. sticky notes thing. Yeah. <laughs> so which talks did you end up going to? Um, so sorry, I, rather than asking you just list off all the talks. Yeah. What was your favorite talk that you went to? Uh, so the favorite talk I went to was one earlier on this morning. And it was called The Power of Change, Learning to Live as a Weirdo. Um, by, I think, I think yeah. everyone in this room went to it, except for Jerry. I didn't. I was on the merch stand today, yeah. so I hardly saw any talks. But. And I, reading that on the board, it was like a whim, because it was between either that or the main stage with Lorna doing their talk about park run thingy. Yeah. And I'd heard about it on the Ubuntu podcast. I was really good. And I thought, hang on a minute. Because the thing I'm always about, oh, camera, you look at the bit of paper, and you think, what's that about? What's that about? Kind of thing. Like, yeah. Oh. I was like, well, let's give it a go. No, I'm really glad that I chose that one. Yeah, so a couple of previous years, I'd kind of gone to talks that the title was interesting, had no clue what it was about, no preconceived notions. So just went, eh, I'll just go to it, see what happens. Um, and it ended up being a really, really good talk, um, very well presented. Um, and I don't think anyone left that room feeling like they'd rather have gone to any of the other talks scheduled at no. that time. I mean, it was just incredibly impressive. It was. It was probably... Because I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd gone to another talk yesterday and I was like, it's going to be hard for any talk to, to top this one. But my word. Um, so I'd actually been to another conference earlier this year and I'd seen her there, but I'd missed her talk. And I was like, oh, it's really disappointing I've missed your talk. Come to Og Camp because... I'm sure that there are people there that are going to want to see that talk. Yeah. Me included. So when I saw it had gone up on the grid, I'm like, I am so totally there. But actually, I I think the content that she delivered could have been delivered anywhere and it would have had exactly the same reaction. Yeah, I think you could have gone to any conference or you know even gone into a school and delivered that presentation and the level of understanding i mean for for anyone who doesn't know the talk was kind of about yeah, i was uh, going to ask about that <laughs> so the talk yeah so the talk was is by a lady called uh, i don't want to butcher her name so her, her, rachel, morgan rachel morgan trimmer, trimmer. yeah um, and she's at sparkle class on twitter yes. and the talk was about uh, mental health and kind of her journey through it and how it shaped and uh, you know the person she's become today um, and she touched on, you know, being someone who's had late diagnosis of autism and kind of how that's affected her throughout the years. And it was it was just incredibly impressive and well put together. Um, you know, there was a good mix of comedy and seriousness in there. Yeah. It was one of those PowerPoints where, you know, people were continually taking photos of every slide to reference yeah. back to. There was one slide where, like, it, she kept adding bits to it. So you took a photo of it. And then yeah. <laughs> and so, so that was, I think that was actually, because I'd seen the, that, that picture. So basically, when she delivered that talk at Barcamp Manchester, I'd seen, like, slides of that. So I knew that that slide was coming. But clearly the person that had posted it when I saw it had done exactly the same thing. They'd gone, click, okay. Oh, content's changed. Click, okay, content's changed again. And it was just, it was just uh, such, a, such a moving talk delivered with such honesty. Yeah. And, and I think she was saying that she doesn't do a huge amount of public speaking, but clearly is way more experienced than, than you and I would be at public speaking. Yes, I go along that. So, so that was that was a, a five minute um, love love in fest for for that talk. And, no, and yeah. that and that's the thing what makes Odd Camp. I mean, yesterday I was like, wasn't feeling it really about because I remember going back to like where we went uh, Odd Camp at Oxford, 
and like those talk where Stuart Language did like a really good talk about projectors on those phones and stuff. And like, and then there's no one he did about um, where he did one about producing an app on Google on Google and then using on um, on the Apple platform. Mm-hmm. And that was really, really interesting. And that got you feel like, oh, yeah, you're part of it kind of thing. And, and, uh, and on the Saturday, I didn't really feel there was any talk I went. There's one good talk I went to on Saturday, which which um, was about these little microcontrollers you can basically program with Python. Mm-hmm. Micro- and because uh, I really annoyed myself because my son's into model railways and he, I'd order him a little screen um which basically displays like on this on the on this railway what what's happening with trains coming along. Trying to like what you what you'd find at a train station. Anyway, i and you basically put it onto Raspberry Pi. It's like this little thing I've got this little screen I've got off um Alibaba. And it came and I couldn't get it to work. So and I've got no one to mentor me to kind of fix this kind of thing. So we went to this talk and this guy was just like really interesting. He his talk wasn't brilliant kind of thing. It was really it's good to but we went and saw him afterwards. Well, how long were we, we sat at his desk for about an hour or something? Yeah, we probably sat at his desk for an hour, and he was showing us kind of how to get started with these microcontrollers. With you could, yeah, we were basically throwing questions at him, and he was just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And, then, and he goes, "He should have brought it with you." I think before OddCamp normally is just all about software. There's never normally any hardware really either. There has been in the start of the, a couple. Of, I don't know where yeah. but this yeah, but it was really, but it was really good to kind of. And that was that was coming on to that. That was one of the big things I noticed this year. Um, that you know there was there was this year like an exhibition room where you know there were people there's exhibiting a, there's the stalls. There's a much bigger exhibition space. Yeah, yeah. This year. So and so we had problems with with getting exhibition space sorted out in the two years that you've been to previously. And this year the venue was, I think, more accommodating for having uh, an exhibition space. So when we did Sheffield and also when we did Canterbury, we ultimately ended up with having just like an open space. It's just like the corridor. Outside, it, yeah, in the corridor, basically. Yeah. So we couldn't really have much in the way of blocking traffic there. Whereas this year we had like a whole dedicated room for exhibition space. It was similar. First or camp I went to, 2014, was in a hotel and they had a whole separate room for it. So... Yeah, yeah, probably. It's one advantage of having it in a hotel. Hmm. Yeah, and I found that really nice because it was it was not only a nice place, you know, for people to exhibit. It was great to kind of, you know, there's a few people I bumped into in there that, you know, you could actually stand around and have a chat with people and and another and thing that was, was really good about that exhibition space was because they had tables in the middle. I saw that Binary Kitten Cat had had a D and D starter pack delivered today. So she was actually running Dungeons and Dragons for so f- for like six people, including two kids. So they actually kind of again bringing sort of something that's not tech related to our camp. And actually, talking of kids, this year was great from a kids' perspective. The kids' track seemed more. There were more kids there, and yeah, the, the room was yeah. I certainly noticed that it. there was you know there was a lot of kids running around, and it was great to see that you know. I mean, it's way more inclusive. People who have kids, if they can bring yeah. them along, and you know, say, look, I'm going to go to this talk. Are you all right for half an hour in the kids' track? And yeah, you know, let the kids learn something. It's great. Yeah. So we did have uh, the, the beginnings of a kids' track last year, but because I wasn't there with kids last year. And the kids' track was quite out of the way. I don't know how well the kids' track went down last I year. Thought, I thought it went really well. I mean, I wasn't there, but um, I think Paul uh, Paul Tanson was up there. Uh, 
and you know he, he was reporting yeah it was, it was it was well attended it was well run um uh, but I think even better this year by the looks of yeah, it. Yeah, they did really well. So this year it was so last year it was somebody from the Raspberry Pi. I think Foundation. it was actually Dave that that was saying about it on the this this time last year. Well, the last year's uh, Old Camp podcast. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so the, the kids track last year was run by Ben Nuttall from the Raspberry Pi Foundation, who was also also does stuff with yeah. with Code Clamp Camp. But this year they had Code Club. They had a, a somebody from Code Club Northwest um, actually there, so they again like the same stuff as Ben brought, but they, they had everything ready to go, and but yeah, it just went really really well. I thought the kids, uh, so I stuck my head in for like ten minutes just to see what was going on there. I had had loads of stuff for people to do. They had gear to play with, had electronicsy things, but I think the thing that actually caught most kids' attention this year was there was a little. Wheelie bot. Wheelie pad, I think. Wheelie, Wheelie pad, pad it was called, yeah. Which was a telepresence bot that they had roving the floor with a, a tablet computer mounted at sort of about chest height, but it had like an in- extendable arm so it would move <laughs> up and down. Yeah. And it was it was a pair of wheels. It was almost like, uh, what's the... I can't remember what the, the thing is. There's um, Segway, like a Segway kind oh, of style yeah. Segway thing. Segway with an iPad on top, yeah. basically. <laughs> and it was controlled from one corner of the, the room. And, but the kids just loved that thing. Yeah, one of the most interesting things I found about that was that I can't remember the name of the guy who had bought it, but it had a Twitter account um, and occasionally he'd just tweet out the link to the control software for it. And I saw so many people running around with their phones just controlling in this wheelie pad. It was the same guy who were talking with with the yeah. It's the same guy who was doing kind of the micro the, the micro controller stuff, um, and he's from uh, the kind of makerspace in Liverpool. Oh right, oh cool. Yeah, and really knowledgeable. And yeah, it was just it was quite a cool thing to have. Yeah, it was you know, it's just just another fantastic little bit that made this year. Okay, so Al's done his one. Gary's done his favourite one. Jerry. What was your favourite one from this year? Well, I, as I said, I didn't go to many talks. Uh, I was, I was, so I was on the crew this year, as I was last year. Um, I was so on the Saturday. I was looking after a room, as in making sure pe- people's talks ran to time and and so on. Uh, and uh, today I was on the merch stand, which is a whole different <laughs> kettle of fish. That, so I saw quite a few talks in the morning in my room that I was looking after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think probably the best one, the most interesting one that I saw in there was, again, this guy, uh, Julian. And it was just looking at the cheat sheet for uh, looking at the wrong day. It was to do, it was so Node Red, Influx, MQTT, and how you um, collect data from household devices, basically. Oh, cool. Um, one interesting part of it was that the, he was 10 minutes late to, to the talk, presumably because he was so busy in the exhibition space. But as the sort of guy looking after the room, I felt compelled, instead of just letting everyone sit there and maybe leave the room, I, I, I knew about some of the technologies that were in the title of the talk, so I kind of started a discussion about about those technologies and yeah but obviously people have come to the talk because they they noticed the names of the mm-hmm. stuff and uh so yeah so it started an interesting discussion about 
about things that people were interested in. So yeah, that was that was quite a nice moment. I yeah, thought. almost a little birds of a feather session before yeah. the talk started. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that guy who ran that was the guy he was doing. We spent the hour yeah. afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, it was really good. <laughs> oh, fab. Yeah. So well, uh, yeah. And the other thing is, we I think the last thing I want to mention is about that we would tried lock picking today for the first. Did you? T- yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was super interesting. Something I'd never done before. Something that didn't actually expect to ever do to be honest but it's really interesting um you know that was kind of part of the floor contract which was also something new that was going on old old camp this year yeah and they they got a guy who was just you know bought a load of kind of lock picking kits with him and Mm -hmm. teach you to pick a lock so me and al stood there for a good half an hour at lunchtime just learning how to I went back afterwards at lunchtime and did some more. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but it was was really interesting because it's, you know, you're going there for, you know, you kind of, I've been, for me, I kind of go because I work as a DevOps engineer. So it's kind of almost career enhancing to go there. But to be able to spend half an hour doing something that's, you know, doesn't feel like work is really nice as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should actually introduce you, Gary. Um, We haven't really spoken to you well. I mean, that's why we met uh, Og Camp. Two years ago, I think it was. Yeah, it was in Canterbury, so 2016. Yeah. 2017. And then we found out we were talking and we literally live about 10 minutes between each other. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just like, yeah. And then we, yeah, so, we so, yeah, so I guess I guess we should probably find out a little bit about, yeah. about you then. Yeah, because yeah. obviously you've started a new job, which I think is really interesting. Because you were kind of come, well, you, you think you were like a sit admin kind of thing, weren't you, for uh, what then you moved to what you're doing now. So tell us more yeah, about so it. So, um, yeah, I've kind of, by trade, I was kind of a sysadmin for the longest time. Um, working with a lot of uh, Windows stuff. Um, and that was, we had, you know, an on-prem data center for a content distribution company doing a lot of that stuff. Um, that company got bought out. And there was a big move for us to push things to the cloud. And the cloud of choice for our parent company was Azure. Right. So I spent a lot of time pushing, uh, you know, these legacy systems, kind of 20 years worth of legacy stuff up to Azure and modernizing it. Um, pushed a lot of Linux in there where it made sense as well, which was quite nice. Um, and yeah, I was there for, for four or five years, um, and gradually handed a lot of that stuff over to our parent company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just started up a, a new company, um, and it's a startup. So there's only about 15 of us uh, based out in Norwich. Um, and it's quite interesting. So I've kind of gone from working with windows and Azure, uh, to working with an environment that's all running Red Hat OpenShift on AWS. Oh, awesome. Um, so I get to work with, you know, obviously OpenShift day-to-day, um, and then it's kind of a lot of Terraform, a lot of Ansible. Um, I'm kind of taking on the role there of looking after the kind of operational stuff. So um, the kind of existing DevOps engineers there have been a lot more focused on CICD and our pipelines and the way that we're delivering software. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of come in and I'm looking after... Uh, the operational stuff, so, you know, kind of sanity checking that all of our networking is in place, mm-hmm. uh, doing a lot of kind of work at the moment around our edge security and as well as kind of day-to-day stuff, helping our application support people out with uh, with that. So it's, you know, that's where I've come from and, you know, hopefully in the future get to work with a lot more open source stuff, which is going to be nice. Cool. So, yeah, so how is it more, how do you feel coming from the, the other side to this side kind of? to the where you are now I know you're saying that you you could just kind of pick things up and run with it really yeah yeah so the company being you know being a smaller company a startup it's it's quite nice because there's a lot of encouragement to just take ownership over stuff basically yeah um and we've got very much an open source first philosophy because mm-hmm. we've started off on aws but it doesn't mean that we're always going to run in aws yeah 
um so it's it's quite nice so i've gone in you know with you know having worked for a company that had been going for 20 years and had lots of legacy to it and mm-hmm. you know got bought by a huge enterprise so it's quite it's quite odd to start with walking into an environment where there's not that much operational maturity but it's it's nice because i kind of just get to you know pick up something work on it own it um you kind of get to shape it to how yeah you kind of get to shape it to to how i think things should be so it's nice and you know it's it's a steep learning curve because i've gone from working in an environment where you know a lot of stuff was windows and running on azure and mm-hmm. you know with a few linux bits that i'd thrown in here and there um you know to working on an all open source stack it's it's a big learning curve but it's you know it's exciting it's it's a new challenge for definite cool so i suppose i suppose seeing as you guys have all had your your sort of spiels about your favorite talks i went to a talk uh yesterday which was on the main stage which was uh anna hacks talking about um ubu for noob uh, for was it ubu noobs on oobs noobs yeah. on oobs that's that was it and it was basically uh an introduction to kind of working with ubuntu for somebody that's not not done stuff before and uh it was a bit emoji heavy but um actually it really worked with the talk she was a a student uh doing a, an mba i think it was she said when she needed to do some python processing and didn't have access couldn't make python work on a windows machine so she went out and taught herself ubuntu and uh it was kind of her, intro- her how she got involved in like how she got working with Ubuntu and it was just a really good well delivered talk yeah I think she's a .NET developer yeah she is a .NET developer yeah yeah. and I actually met her last year and then we started talking to her in the the pub on Friday night and then I realised when I got back to the thing we we actually talked to her last year kind of thing so yeah and really for me it's really good as well because like she was explaining like the file system and I hadn't thought it in that way when she's like yes and I was really yeah really good how to yeah, because you're you're in a way you're still coming to Linux and start kind of discovering aspects of it. Yeah, because the problem with me is um, is that I like to understand how things work in case things break and I know how to fix it. And that's what scares me about Linux sometimes. Is it's now that I'm getting to use it more and more and more. I'm really comfortable with using like Vim and stuff now and and going my, researching my way, going around the operating system. But because I don't have to really do anything day to day kind of thing, yeah. where like. Where I've, oh, I've never been in university, all the things I've learned, like VMware and Windows, was just when things break, I have to work out how to fix it. And that's something I'm scared if something breaks in Linux. That's what do I do to fix it, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, that, I don't think that's to, where you have the learning curve, though. Yeah, that's the like, kind of thing. So really like, t- like looking through the logs and stuff and things like tailing that and stuff. So. Mm. Mm. Really, and to get that learning curve, you need to use it in your day job because then you have to fix it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I have. I'm trying to think what I've been doing lately with different things with like. Um, doing quite a lot with PF sense and stuff and going through all the command line stuff and yeah. things like that. It's really kind of getting me in the... Yeah. But a lot yeah. of my work I do is Windows, so, and the thing. So, but with, with like, because I'm doing VMware and, like, the host software, the ESXi software, once you get into the shell, it's all the same command kind of thing of, like, mm. changing directories, making things and mm. editing files and stuff is all the same kind of thing. And you can do the tail logs. And, do. and I, was on the com- I was on the call with one of the tech support people from um, Ireland, and, yeah, and, and it is just, win- it's just literally a Linux thing. It's just knowing. Yeah, I mean, so it's based off a Red Hat box, yeah, I think, from, yeah. from memory, so... Yeah, and that's that's one of the biggest challenges that I've found. I mean, I've been using Linux outside of work for, you know, eight, nine years now. And, 
you know, moving to using it inside work full time has been kind of realized how much you miss out on just by installing, you know, Ubuntu or whatever on your desktop and just using it. Mm. It's, you know, way more powerful than you think. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's been a huge learning curve for me going from hobbyist using it on my home server and desktop to actually yeah. having to support this thing in production yeah. with paying I'd, customers. I'd, and I'd go as far as saying it's probably the best dis, uh, desktop operating system now out of Windows and Mac OS, certainly for the likes of us. And, you know, you don't have to be a geek to run it is what I'm trying to say. Is you, you can stick it on a normal laptop and people can use it like anyone can use it, I think. Mm. Um, but it's particularly good for, for the likes of us, really. Yeah, I mean, Linux on the desktop for me has come a huge way since... In the first experience I had with Linux was someone burnt me a CD of uh, Ubuntu 7.10, I think, mm. and I couldn't even get it to boot on the hardware I had at the mm. time. And it's you know it's got to the point, oh, certainly over the last three or four years, where it's just completely usable and I yeah. don't even have to think about it. And even installing it just first time, it's like most most laptops, is, yeah. yeah, or and, or whatever, and even software availability. I mean, you know, five years ago, if someone said you can run you know, native Skype on Linux that's not a version that's about 10 years old. It's mm. been laughable, but, you know, now most of the proprietary apps that, are, you know, in my previous job I run on Windows, in my current job I run on Mac OS, I can run that same set of apps on my on my Linux box. I don't kind of feel like a, you know, a second-class citizen in terms of application availability anymore. Yes, yeah, it is it's strange kind of how... And, and I think actually... A lot of the the change in attitude, uh, it might not necessarily be a. So so there's two parts to it. Part is that Microsoft, sorry, that that, um, that that Linux generally is maturing as a platform, and it is being seen as you know more of an acceptable target. But I think also the fact that Microsoft made a big push, sort of three or four, two or three years ago, about saying that you know they are a lot more positive about about Linux now. And so, as a result, it, and and especially with things like Windows Subsystem for Linux and stuff like that, you're starting to see developers treating your Windows environment as more of a, I don't know, it's almost like it's more acceptable to be running a, a Linux-based a Linux-based desktop system. You know, and if you're not using a Linux-based desktop system, but you're developing for Linux, well, that's acceptable too. Because, you know, you could be using a Mac, you could be using Windows Subsystem for Linux. You know, you could be using um, an Ubuntu box or a Red Hat box or a CentOS box in Azure AWS. You could be using any of this lot. And it's just more a lot more acceptable now than it was. I mean, so like, I'm in a bit of a slightly odd position because the solutions integrator that I work for were very, very, very Microsoft-centric and everything was very Microsoft-heavy. And then we started going cloud. And at that point, it's like, oh, there's this Linux thing over here. It's a bit more important than, you know. To put it in some kind of perspective, um, I think three years ago, I had to use a Windows 7 box uh, as my like, mm-hmm. work workstation. And it was, it was horrible. Um, even, there was, even though there was stuff available for it, like things like Vagrant and, mm. and that, that kind of thing, it's just it was just no fun to use. You know, as a day-to-day thing, I ended up installing VirtualBox, installing Linux, and and doing it that way. But 
I get the feeling that now, if I if I was forced to use Windows, it would be a, a nicer experience. So I spend I spend probably two thirds of my working day at work in a Windows for subs- Windows subsystem for Linux environment, and that gives me everything that I would be doing from a you know from a, a Linux box. Mm. And I think really the only reason that I'm not I'm not on a Linux box generally is because I'm using outlook and sharepoint and and stuff like that on on the corporate systems but i swear i mean even those i i reckon two to five years i think microsoft will probably be dropping office for for linux i reckon that's my prediction you heard it here first folks that's the main reason i don't i've got on windows box on my machine a windows virtual box machine is to access my outlook and stuff from my, my scouting and stuff but if they could have that on my Linux, I'd be able to have my. I'd, I would be able to use Linux all the time, kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I was quite fortunate at my previous job. So we we got issued Windows laptops, but um, you know, they used G Suite and stuff for all the emails, mm. and you know, we could we all had all full admin rights on our machines and everything. So most of my time was just spent with a browser open with Gmail and with WSL open. Yeah. Um, and you know there was various google um, google plus groups and things that you know were for various you know different it engineering teams within the company and found out through there that no one you know there's no real need to run the blessed corporate windows image on your machine which was really nice because for you know the company were 250,000 people so for them to just be like, you know, if you want to wipe the Windows image off your machine and install, you know, your own distro, make sure you do full disk encryption, fine. Just don't expect us to support it. And if there are companies that are that size that are kind of now adopting that mantra, it makes me feel like very soon it's going to become acceptable in general. So it's it's nice. And like you say, most of the time I spent in WSL at that job, so. Cool. Cool. So... Where can we find you if anyone wants to find you um, on the interweb? Um, so, yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at This Geek Tweets. Occasionally found posting tech stuff, occasionally found posting random other things that I see that I find so interesting. Fairly typical tech Twitter, then. Yeah, Fantastic. pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. I'll retweet some open source stuff. I'll tweet interesting projects I'm working on, not that that's that often at the moment, having changed jobs. And that's it. So, uh, that is me. Yeah, usual contact details on there. There's links to websites, blogs, that kind of thing. So feel free to take a look. Cool. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So just a reminder to our, our, our regular listeners, we have got a Telegram group. We've got email and stuff. We're not going to do the normal sort of full-on outro that we normally do, partially because only two of us got laptops open, <laughs> so I can't remember the, the full spiel. <laughs> um, but if you go to adminadminpodcast.co.uk, there's a Contact Us button in the top corner, which will take you to our Patreon, uh, our Telegram, and our email links. Uh, and we would love to hear from more listeners about what stuff they want to hear from us and, uh, yeah, just being part of the community. Because frankly, events like Odd Camp have been fantastic for me because we got to meet a few more of our listeners. Oh yeah, we did. We didn't even mention that, did we? Did we we didn't. Um, I don't was, know if we'd like to say who we met, but um, yeah, we, we met a couple of them. So which is good. So it was. It's, well, it's it's really nice. So when I first got into going to open source conferences, you'd kind of go in there with a little bit of awe, a little bit of you know, <gasps> this is a little bit of this person. I, I listen to all the time. You're kind of meeting celebrities yeah, almost. Yeah, it was a real celebrity thing. And then you get talking to them and they're just normal people. 
and and it's really nice I, i'd really hope that anyone that comes to uh something where one of us at least one of the three of us is at you know if not hopefully all of us or camp 2020 just calling it now it would be really nice if or something else well we'll see we'll see <laughs> you know it'd be really good if um you know we're all really approachable guys. I mean, Jerry's one of the most laid-back guys I've ever seen in my whole life. I'm, Even I'm, now, he's kind of leaning I'm back just a little bit. practically horizontal. Practically, I wouldn't quite go as far as to say horizontal. <laughs> yeah, those two things they're going to say is that they say you're meeting your Hollywood people. It's like, oh, and we met Kaz from the um, the other podcast. I can't what's called Tales that. of the Unattested. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And like, I was like, you don't know who I am, but I think I know everything about you. Kind of thing. It's just like, it's like at least know all the TV listen to him every week or whatever. And it's just like you just feel like you're part of their team, kind of yeah. thing. So, and the other thing is that it's don't be afraid to come. I was really scared to come because I didn't act. So when I came to Odd Camp 14, I basically got into really podcasting, well Linux podcasting, in October 2013, and I was driving to do one of my exams, and I had an Ubuntu podcast, and I just got back from Odd Camp, and I was like this sounds brilliant. When can I go? Oh, mm. I've got to wait a whole year. <laughs> and then like, I didn't know anyone. I'd never really, I spent a couple of people on Twitter and stuff. And then, um, we got there. I was really worried about meeting people. And I got there, went toward a beer and I stood next to me and there's a guy telling me and there's Jerry and there's yeah. Jerry's first, uh, odd camp. <laughs> then, we, then we went outside and we met Joe who's yeah. producing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And we had a good old chat. His so, yeah, podcast so we then, listened like, to. We met so many more people this weekend who, who we, there's a guy there um, outdoor acorn or whatever he'd only been listening for a podcast for a year for, you know, and, and it, it's really good to kind of meet people like that wasn't yeah. it so yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I was talking to someone there as well and, and they were stressing the fact that actually they're not really a tech person but they like kind of going to bar camps and like going to, to, to open source events and, and she said that um, Odd Camp whilst it's not so um, as anyone that's listening to this podcast may or may not realise, uh, it's it's we've got four four white guys here sitting in a, sitting in a circle. But she said that every single person she spoke to at Odd Camp was open to talk to her about whatever they were talking about, whatever she was talking about. There was no kind of pushiness. There was no kind of you know my way is better than your way. There was none of that. And she said also she felt really welcomed and really. I don't think she used the word embraced, but just kind of like, you know, the community wanted her there. They were glad of the fact that she'd made the effort to come to the conference. And I really hope, I mean, that's the thing that, that's one of the things that really sells me about Og Camp is just kind of how welcoming absolutely everyone is. So if you are thinking about coming to something like Og Camp and you've never been to something like that, then absolutely, you know, come along. I mean, even if you were going to go and then you had to cancel at the last minute, don't feel embarrassed about it. Anyway, no. I think we'll, things happen and stuff. So we've waffled on a little bit longer than I was expecting to on that on that particular subject. So I was in the middle of doing a wrap-up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what, you talking for once? Yeah. Me? <laughs> talking a little bit too? No, uh, sure not. And so, you always have the biggest audio file. Always have the biggest audio file. <laughs> I'm going to get such flack for that one. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, Garrett, it's been an absolute pleasure having you with us here. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's I been think we're going to go for a beer and some food now. And I think that sounds like an excellent idea. Yeah, sounds yeah, good to and me. And again, thanks, Joe, for doing... For, for offering us the gear and, and, and the audio gear, I should clarify that, because that <laughs> sounds a bit wrong. Thank you very much for, for, for loaning us your audio equipment. It's been an absolute godsend, as usual. And uh, Yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. See you on the next episode. Bye for now. See ya. Bye. Now we're so